On today's show, it is part two of two with my friend Glenn Willis and I talking about the first five games of the Atlanta Hawks season coming up right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1581 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. At prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA, use promo code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 with Prize Picks. And also, I should tell you at the top of the podcast, make it your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube, on the video side, as well as all the audio-only platforms that you know and love, places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And today's show is actually going to be part two of two with myself and Glenn Willis. So if you missed part one, I recommend starting at the beginning. That should be available in your podcast feed of choice. But a fun conversation, to be sure. So long and in-depth that we had to go to two parts. But stay tuned for part two coming to you right now. And here we go with part two. So obviously, you and I love talking defense. I, I, it took everything in my being not to leave with defense, Glenn. I think people, hopefully, people appreciate my me, me fighting the urge to not start there. But we have to do a little bit of defense. People obviously. are like, did the did the fast did I fast? Yeah, did you, is this part two? <laughs> uh, no, I'm uh, so anyway. Uh, so defensively, we all know the deal. Kind of, they're not as good as they are on offense. That's that's to be uh, to be sure. In fact, I believe they're uh, they're twentieth right now in raw defensive rating. They're seventeenth cleaning the glass, which isn't too bad. Um, that's with the uh, garbage time removed i wonder if they removed anything at the end of uh the game on wednesday uh for garbage time because it felt like they were collapsing in the moment but yeah. anyway um the, the real the only real negative in the profile is the opponent shooting um which obviously is the that, that's the biggest thing you have to fix so it's, it's like okay it's only that but also that's the worst thing for it to be but they're also giving up a lot of threes and teams are making threes against them there's some issues defensively for sure um and we'll get into the numbers i'm sure in a second but i'll, I'll do the same thing we did on offense what stands out to you through five games? Because the results are a little bit better than they were a year ago. Um, and I even quoted you to your, I, I even quoted you to you last night about how your, your old saying about how the Hawks only played as much defense as they had to play. Um, it's not necessarily been that, I don't think. But what what stands out to you through five games about the defense? It felt uh, that statement of figure <laughs> out how much defense they have to play to win the game and don't play an ounce more. Right? That's I, I felt like that's what we were watching against the Wizards. A little right? bit early on right. last night. I, that, that's why I said it to you on Twitter. I was like, this is feeling I, like I one know. of those games, Glenn. It's, it's, it's kind of a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so schematically, uh, is, is, is getting the big up to the level basically all the time, right? And, and challenging their guards and wings to work harder fighting over screens. Because the idea is not that the big gets up and stays up. The idea, again, the goal, when you see Clint at the level helping, when you see the ball handler stop, Clint has done his job and Yucca has done his job. The, the ball, the goal, the number one goal is to stop the ball. Yep. And then Clint or Yucca in that case kind of recovers back to, to their man. That buys enough time for the main defender to kind of get back in front of the ball handler. That's a very simplistic, there's a lot going on. That's the, that's but the goal. That is right. to yes. stop, stop the ball, right? And and then make them kind of reset and 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 go from there. Now, if you kind of think through the five games, right? What broke that? Right. Number one, Charlotte ran a heavy dose of one four pick and roll, mm -hmm. and we've talked on Twitter and elsewhere about the fact that the Hawks used to have a power forward 
that played a lot of center and got reps defending the pick and roll, right? The reps defending the short roll. The guys they have now don't have that in their background, right? So they don't have those reps in their history. And so, and they struggled to defend, defend uh, PJ Washington, who was who like, like one of the sneakiest good players in the league, right? But he's awesome in the short role. And, the, and that's that, that broke them. Uh, the Knicks, like, Jalen, like I got so tired of the arguments over the off seasons. Is Jalen <laughs> Brunson better than Trey Young? And we 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 talked about it together on the pod. We, like we no, did, but if you're pulling in two defenders from the weak side, Jalen will freaking get the ball to the right person right on time, and he will. They will murder you. They gave that, up right? so many threes in that game that were really good looks. And, and granted, the Knicks were hot, but like. It was just not necessarily like full on breakdowns too, not to derail us, but like just just enough. Like to your point, just uh, just enough of a, enough space, and that is one one of the uh, potential negatives of the of this approach the Hawks are doing defensively. And they know that is maybe they're, if you're playing the wrong opponent, you can give up a lot of threes, uh, and that yeah. that that is one of the potential downsides. And that was happening against the Knicks against Milwaukee. They use that aggressive scheme to attack Giannis's dribble. Yep, and that broke everything the Bucks were trying to do. And then DJ was just generating a lot of ball pressure on Dame. I felt like when I was watching that, Dame was like, "What is going? On? What is happening?" You know, <laughs> like you know, Dejounte is way up into him, and you know, and stuff like that. And so I felt like that. But I felt like the biggest thing there was we're going to treat Giannis like teams treat Embiid when he dribbles the ball. We're going to go get it. We're going to go to hand on it. And that's that's the kind of the vulnerability that you can kind of get to. So that worked. And and Milwaukee really they don't have a lot of other offensive options besides Giannis. You know, Brooks Brooks shooting from the three point line, Bordas working down in the mid post. You know, and, and no Middleton in that game. And they and they I think I think wisely. I don't know. If, I don't know how much different it would have been, but it, it's easier to play the way they did because they didn't have another guy. I mean, their their wings yeah. without Middleton are not exactly the most robust offensive creators. They're just kind of play finishers, which is uh, yes. So the Bucks didn't have a cover. So Charlotte one four Hawks couldn't handle it. Knicks out executed pulling two guys in from the weak side killed you right. Bucks they attacked Dame with aggressive ball pressure, attacked Giannis's dribble right, and then you get to. Timberwolves, right? They broke them because they had giants running the nice. baseline behind their defense yep. and it just killed them, right? And the Hawks fixed that in the second half by pushing the ball out of the middle, right? You push the ball out of the middle, the big doesn't have to come so far up the floor. They can stay back in the paint and kind of help deter someone come from the dunker spot, someone come from the weak side corner or whatever it is. That was the first time they abandoned the scheme that they've kind of been fully invested in for this year so far was, was against the second half against the Wolves. Hey guys, we got to push the ball away from the middle and they were awesome at that. And they they were, that was their coincidentally, probably their best defensive half they of the great. season in, in terms of what they were executing in this, in the half court. Right. I guess Washington, it was like, eh, <laughs> that first quarter, effort, that first you know. quarter. I mean, not to make it a joke, but it really, seriously though, even if you had never said that before, and you obviously have, and it's a it's a great point that you've made repeatedly. That they did not feel particularly invested in the first quarter, and I think they all kind of acknowledged it after the game, like they didn't come out, they were not they were not dialed in. Let's just however you want to say yeah. that they were not playing yeah. their best, most invested basketball defensively, and a, a better team might have been up more than the wizards were honestly um and fortunately they kicked it into the high gear they dominated the middle of that game and you, you saw the the differential between the two teams in the middle of the game right. but the hawks were 
almost as bad as they possibly could have been late and they didn't play very well early and still won by, you know, pretty comfortable margin. So that's a good sign on some level, but yeah, I, um, I don't know. That was the only time this year for me that it felt like they were not bringing it is the kind of the, the parlance that I would use. Like there were execution breakdowns that Quinn's talked about that. I've shared a couple answers on the podcast about like, just Quinn keeps talking about execution defensively. That was the only time this year that I have seen a lack of like, I don't want to say effort, but you know, like just they, they just didn't have the juice defensively in that first yeah. quarter. Yeah. Um, everything else can be explained. And look, the NBA defense is all about effort thing. It's just not. It's just not true. Like it, it's it's execute. You have to execute, and that's. I'm glad Quinn talks about it that way because it's very simple. It's like every time they break down, it's like we didn't we didn't execute. It's like yep, yeah. you guys are pros. Yeah. You have to execute, and, execute, execute. Yeah, and 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 Quinn would tell you effort is a part of execution. Oh sure, absolutely. Right? For sure, you, right? you, you have to have it. It's 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 kind of the bare minimum is the effort. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, yeah you're not going to execute without the effort, but yeah. just just like running around like intensely and like energetically is not going to you know get it. Not, doing not random stuff on defense is not going to work in the NBA, right? Not in the NBA. So the and the other part is like I wonder if like after the game like those last 3 minutes if a player said this or Quinn said this or whatever we're not good enough to do that. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't say that in the to the media. I, I wonder if that was uh, uh, said behind the scenes. I would not be surprised if someone had said that. Um, but it was clear, in particular, Quinn. Obviously, you know, when Trey came out, Trey had his Trey had his son out there, so it was a little bit more of a looser post game. But Quinn, um, for a for a comfortable, relatively comfortable win, was not exactly bounced off the walls. Like he was not yeah. thrilled, and I, I think everybody kind of saw that coming with the way the fourth quarter went. And it's almost like a good teaching moment. Like coaches secretly like that kind of stuff. Where that's like we won, but now I can like pound on my team for the way they played in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's more—I guess it's more of a football thing in a lot of ways. People talk about that in football a lot, where it's like you won by this much, but now I can yell at my team. But it, it really is—I I suspect that deep down, Quinn was like, you know, this is not the worst thing that we did this once in a win, because obviously you want to win the game. But uh, I'm sure that, that 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 next film session, which I believe is yeah. going to be uh, maybe it's today. They, they didn't practice today, but. We'll see. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Nobody said that out loud, but I, I would not be yeah. surprised if that was a, uh, a behind the scenes conversation. It's, it's, it's what you might think of it as a low cost opportunity to make a point. Right. And, yeah. and coaches and the thing coaches hate is not having something to grind their team about. Like we got to do this better. We got to do this better. We got to do Even when you're, even when things are going well, you're looking for material. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks, and Price Picks is a skill-based, real money daily fantasy sports game. And at Price Picks, you, t- you pick two to six players, choose whether they actually have more or less than their Price Picks projection. You win up to twenty-five times money on your entries. And Price Picks is just you against the projected numbers. An entry can be done in sixty seconds or less. That's really fast, and it makes life easy for you. They have frequent discounts and bonuses and offers, including weekly promos like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. Price Picks also has a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else. They offer projections on the NFL, NBA. MLB, NHL, PGA, and many more. They're operational in more than 30 states now, plus Canada. Prospects is the best place to have action in more than 70% of the country. I really enjoy checking out Prospects all year long. I'm digging in all the time there during the NFL season, of course, and then also now that the NBA is up and running. And on the whole, the experience of Prospects is tremendous. It's easy. It's fun. I highly recommend it at the really the highest level. And prospects.com slash locked.nba is the place to go and use promo code locked.nba for a first deposit match up to $100 with Prospects. One more time, that is prospects.com slash locked on NBA use code locked on NBA when you get there check out daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks now I will say like to me the real evolution of this team is when the players start holding themselves accountable to that right that's the best model for 
kind of getting a team to kind of really stick to the habits, the effort, the execution, the attention, the detail, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and it's funny when, like, you know, when I talk to people around the league, like summer league, just an opportunity, even like young, like deep assistant coaches, you know, like what is the philosophy around accountability? Do coaches, do NBA coaches feel like they should have to motivate their players or do NBA coaches feel like, no, players should be self-motivating and I'm just giving you the plan and keeping us on the plan. And I still think it's a mixed response, but I, I fully believe, this is my belief, that when players, when 90% of accountability, roughly, comes from the players holding themselves accountable, that's the best model. And it's it, I, it's hard to know for sure, like, when that is happening, when that isn't happening. I think sometimes you can get a little bit of that theme and some post-game commentary and some stuff like that. Some of that is players, like, in the post-game saying, I, I didn't do this good enough, well enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that well enough or whatever. We, we have to do this better. And you hear them saying it, so the coach doesn't have to say it, you know. Yeah. So, so, but I, I, that's where I think that's the next step for this team from a kind of a mental standpoint is holding themselves accountable. And, and I can't say that's not happening. We don't know, right? No. But I think that would be um, a, a good progression for any team, and I think it's an important prog- progression for this team, wherever they might be on that journey, is to get to the point where they're holding themselves accountable. I would totally agree. And I mean, we, you talked a little bit about the scheme adjustments that they're doing, you know, having Clint play higher is a very obvious one that they're doing. And uh, we just talked, we did talk, talk about it preseason, but just to say it out loud again, it does feel like they are playing a system and they know that they're playing a system that is not, that is not Clint's best system, uh, yep. which is fine. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It is just worth acknowledging that when you talk about it, like I think they're, they're playing more for the future. They're playing more to other guys on their team. IE like when, when you're playing Jalen more, you're playing, you know, your guards are not necessarily the best drop guards in the world, etc. Um, But I, I, you know, look, the early returns on the defensive scheme stuff in the numbers are not great, but they're all that they are better. I mean, for instance, they're they're creating turnovers. They're creating almost 70 turnovers a game. And that is a that's a number that's that's pretty encouraging. And as Kevin and I think talked about either online or offline somewhere, um, they kind of have to create turnovers. That, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. When, when you when you play this way, if you don't create turnovers, I think there was a half against Charlotte when they only had like three or four turnovers created. They can't afford that like that. that, that the, the I guess you could say one of the problems with this. Potential problems, I should say, is like if you're not actually getting them sped up and you're not creating transition and you're not and you're giving up what the other team wants to get, it could get you beat because you're you're, you're going to have some bad situations. Um, but if if like it did against Washington in the middle of the game on Wednesday, if you're creating turnovers, you can look unstoppable for a quarter or two. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, yeah. it starts juicing. Yeah, you're watching that Washington game. I, I, and forgive me if this isn't the right number, but I think Washington got 72 points in the paint. I think that's the number. It was a at. very high number. I don't have it in front of right. me, but yeah, well, it was a high and number. They, and they were playing stretch. Every person they played at center was playing on the perimeter, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of crazy. But them not creating turnovers, and you're like, I'm watching Washington play, and it's like Tyus Jones – Maybe the most secure ball handler, one of the most secure ball handlers in the league. Quinn, I'm like, Quinn called, Quinn called him. <laughs> Quinn called him pregame. Uh, I believe it was um, floor general of the highest order. Was I believe was yeah. the quote from Quinn on, uh, on Tyus Jones. Appropriate, right? Yeah. But like, but I'm watching them play. The Hawks aren't g- generating turnovers. I'm like, Tyus never has the ball. Like Jordan Poole is like running around like oh. the basketball player that he is, right? <laughs> and you know, and Kuzma was a is was effective, but he's you can he was. you can get him to turn the ball over. Yep. You know, and like you know, Delon Wright, another very secure ball handler. You know, so no, that, and that's I'm, why they almost not not that they almost lost the game. I don't, don't want to make it seem like, like it was closer than it was, but 
they were minus 10 in turnover margin. If you do that, you're going to lose like a lot. Like yeah. you, you can't, you can't afford to be minus 10. I mean, granted, they won the game. I know that, but that's because Washington's not very good. And by the way, to answer your question, it was 74 points in the oh, paint, which is, a, which is a absurd number against a team. Like you said, in Washington, it's not exactly like pounding against the, against the paint of the, against the paint. That's not with their game. They, they have a bunch of jump shooters, even their role guys, you know, your gallows, your Tyus Jones, like you said, are not like rim pressure guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. and by the way, no Gafford, like that, that's a ghastly number. I guess that it's team. terrible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and and so you're just watching and you're like, yeah, I'm like, you guys should be able to get six or seven turnovers from Jordan full. Like that if you like if you're just playing in your normal kind of aggressive scheme and stuff like that. So yep. uh but it's just it's just kind of one of those things it's like, okay, we can kind of you you can kind of laugh about it and they won the game. That's like, why it's that, and that's again that's bringing us it's like it's a good example that you could talk about lightly, even if you're Quinn probably like, hey, we won the game, but like this number, this number, and I, I got a little bit of pushback last night on the podcast, as you might imagine, because I was not just universally praising a win. Um, but if Washington had been a better team than they are, well, they that would got that would have got dicey. Yeah. Or I mean, certainly would have been close. Washington yeah. was ten of forty from three, like that. I mean, if they just made a couple more of those, again, minus ten turnover battle and seventy four points in the paint to the opposition, like you're going to lose yeah. most of the time with just yeah. those numbers. Like it is what it is. And, and the other thing is, like Washington could be the worst defensive team in the league. Oh, right? uh, yeah. Halfway uh, through the second quarter, the Hawks have taken one free throw. Like I'm sorry, like when you're playing a defense like that, you should be living in the free throw. And when they turn right? it on, they took I think thirty the rest of the game, which is a great right. number for the full game. Which less the so yeah, I mean it yeah. was a kind of a tale of two games. It was the beginning and the and the end, and then kind of the middle. But not to like go crazy on that game. But it, it, it was an example of the def- – especially defensively because I know we're talking about that more. Washington, that's not an awful offensive team, I don't think. They're not going to be no. good, but they're worse defensively. But it, it did kind of show you like some of the weaknesses if you can't execute – not to use Quint, Quint's parlance because I played that answer that he gave last night to the question that I asked about the defense, and it was all about execution. But giving up 43-point attempts and only, only creating 11 turnovers – like. That's, it's a recipe to get yourself beat if your team can make some yeah. shots. So, and they know that. I mean, they're, they're just fun. And look, every everyone's defense, unless you're just loaded with talent, has an area or two where you're vulnerable, and that's the way you construct your defense. And the Hawks, I think, right now, three point attempts allowed. They're near the bottom of the league, and that probably will continue with the way they're playing. It's just going to happen, and that's fine. I mean, those Bud defense you remember very well. The really great Hawks defenses with Bud and Millsap and and Horford. They were vulnerable, giving up, giving up a lot of threes, and yeah. when teams made them, they lost. And that's yeah. that's been a bud thing for a long time. So yeah. there's always you, an area. You just say two. that. You just say that, and Hawks fans go back to that. 2015 Cleveland. Yes, yeah, I, I know. Went right there like, myself. Kevin Love took 85 like threes a game. It felt like. Well, like, and that's know, the, and and some teams and other things and like you know the last year's Hawks team, it was they didn't they didn't create any havoc at all. So it yeah. was you know. I'll take the aggressiveness, and I think for most guys on the roster, this this does. Um, Clint is an example of the other direction, but you know Jalen's certainly better in a in a more aggressive defensive scheme. The way they're playing, yeah. uh, Dejounte probably the same thing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So th- I think there's a lot of positives to that. But yeah. what else strikes you? Because like we talk about free throws, yeah. they're, they're not fouling. That's a good thing, but yeah. I don't know. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snapping in the action this NFL or NBA season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. And if you're a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. 
It's all yours if your team wins beyond the awesome and really awesome, really, I want to emphasize, awesome perks of signing up. FanDuel has everything you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads and money lines. They have player props and futures and over-unders and many more. They also have a safe and secure app that covers the entire range of sports that you might enjoy. That includes places like you know the NFL, football, across the board, college football, MLB, NBA, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, boxing. It's all there for you at FanDuel. And they have plenty of options involving the Hawks as well, including the, the entire scope of offerings for Saturday's game against New Orleans. Um, I'm sure they'll have pregame lines and over-unders, as well as player props. And then also when they, after the game starts, they have live betting as well. Now is the best possible time to join up at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Check out the official sportsbook partner of Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you absolutely will not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I mean, so, I mean, I think the one other thing I would say is that, you know, not that Twitter is this source of factual information all the time, <laughs> but it seems Especially like, now. it seems like, yeah, it seems like Hawks fans think Clint can't at all do what the center needs to do in this new scheme. And that's just not true, right? It's not, he's probably average in space for a center. Yeah. You know, he's not below average in space at this no. point. He's average. No, he, I, his, I for, first right. of all, a lot of that is technique, space, defensive spacing, timing, reads, communication, all that sort of stuff. And and he doesn't look like he moves as well as he did, you know, say oh, two he, years ago he, or whatever. He doesn't. He doesn't. Does and that's that's it's right. okay to acknowledge that he's not he's not the same athlete he used to be. That's that's right. That's true. But the conversation sometimes is like, oh, Clint can't do this. No, that's not true at all. Like Clint's probably I don't know B minus C plus like I don't know somewhere between in that range, getting out in space right now, which is pretty good for a guy yeah. who's the dominant rebounder he is, the dominant rim protector that he is. He's good enough for that. Like we and we've all said it, this all lines up to and especially in Yuck and Jalen kind of being featured in a way that is the best fit for them. But I get frustrated a little bit uh, by seeing the conversation like Clint sucks it's like no he doesn't he's fine he's okay he's fine he's okay whatever fine okay good enough whatever you want to use he's he's fine right is he great at it no is this like what he would choose to do as like to kind of maximize what he can generate in terms of defensive value no but he plays hard he does what's asked of him he's a great teammate and that's all showing up again here this season and he's fine so th- that's the other thing that if I can make one more point, it would be, <laughs> and I feel like this is where you and I always land when we talk is like, Clint's fine. You know? Safe conversation. No, uh, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I do think that when he plays with Sadiq, which is a pairing that's going to happen and it's already happened a lot. And when that, when those pairings happen, there are pluses and minuses. Sadiq provides the floor spacing, all that stuff. But defensively, Sadiq's not great in space and neither is Clint. And that, that, that pairing can, if you see them against the wrong team, they can look vulnerable in space. And I will certainly acknowledge that, especially when, by the way, part of the problem, or, and by the way, it's a good problem, is that their backups in that, in that scenario are a, a 6'10 freak athlete in Jalen Johnson. And then a Kongwu, who uh, is one of the best in terms of centers, like true actual centers that playing, playing in space, because he's yeah. so quick and he's so malleable. So like, it's also you're grading on a curve a little bit. Like those two guys are outstanding. Yeah. So. But but at some point they're gonna full on switch more, and, right? They did a lot of switching in the preseason, especially in the Congo line. Right? Yeah. So so it's there, it's there, and we're we're gonna see it, especially late in games when they want to kind of really ramp up, like throwing something new at them. So 
that variety and that versatility defensively, that's coming too. I mean, I think there's more coming offensively, more to be unpacked offensively, but there's some more coming defensively too. You're not going to uh, close with a Nyeka and Jalen uh, like they hit, like Quinn has a couple times and not have that as one of the things that you have in mind to do is to sw- full on one through five. Or, switch, or, right? or, or at least two through five. Like maybe they want to keep Trey out of it, but, but like, yeah, they, they're going to do more of it for sure. And we haven't seen that yeah. a lot. And, and also they're going to close. And this is one of the malleability things we talked about earlier about Quinn is that he's, and he said it even like he said an answer to, I think it was Brian Oliver or somebody he's, he's very open to closing with different lineups and like, I think I probably played 27 minutes last night. Um, that kind of stuff's going to happen. Like he, he's not afraid to ride a guy um, who's playing well or write a lineup that's playing well. And he's not married to this at this, at this minute marker, this lineup comes in and like, it's, it's not like that anymore. And even me, I have to train myself to be like, Hey, I, I can't like mentally switch off my rotation tracking for podcast purposes because it might, he might throw a curveball at me and that I got to know what's going on. So yeah. I don't know. It's all about yeah. combinations. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last thing I would say is AJ's going to play more as the season goes on. He's a young guy, and I think he just needs a little bit more time to acclimate to kind of what they're doing on both ends of the court. I think Quinn is kind of shortening the rotation here at the beginning of the season to get a group of eight that can kind of really be on point with all the things that they're doing. When they're healthy, too. Yeah, totally. And like, like, you know, in this situation, two off days is like – like. Such a benefit, right? Yep. So, but so AJ's time is coming, right? So, I know Hawks fans might like, oh, why is AJ not playing? I was like, more AJ, more AJ's coming in time. I believe that fully. Um, and and when we're going to get there, I don't know. Um, but right now, like last year down the stretch, it was kind of like AJ or Jalen, and AJ was getting the opportunity, right? Now Jalen is obviously a, a huge priority in the rotation, and the stuff that they're asking their wings to do on offense is just a, it's just quite different than what you know AJ was doing last year, right? AJ was spot up, Bay was spot up, Bay has the skills to attack a closeout, right? Jalen ha- absolutely has the skills to attack a closeout. AJ's great getting into uh, you know mid range, kind of has that floater. He has a great floater, but that's. That's he doesn't have a lot. If, if the floater gets taken away, he doesn't have necessarily a great secondary kind of skill to go to. So, so I'm still as bullish on AJ as I ever was, but I think this is a big change for him. And and before we know it, I think he's going to be, you know, part of a night regular nine man rotation. His his minutes come and go right now, depending on how the game goes. And yeah, and so it's kind of it's kind of up to the other eight. And Quinn acknowledged that too. Yeah, I mean, Quinn said it the other night. Um, pretty candidly like there'll be nights when he doesn't play and or half when he doesn't play or whatever and that's that's fine i mean i think there's because of how young he is and i i'm, I'm with you I, I don't really worry at all about aj long term yeah. but i also acknowledge like he's their ninth guy right now I and mean, that, that's just yeah. what it is and quinn doesn't want to go beyond nine for sure but he's comfortable yeah. playing eight when they're healthy right now um it's early in the year guys still have fresh legs i think when you get into like january february is he gonna want to play eight guys Probably not when guys are a little bit more beat up. And look, inevitably, guys are going to miss time. I know so far, knock on wood, only Wes Matthews has missed any time for the Hawks, and he was going to be a fringe guy anyway for them. But eventually, you know, you're going to get an ankle tweak or whatever. It's just that's the reality. Unless you're the Kings last year, everyone everyone has an injury at some point along the way. So, and when that yeah. happens, unless it, unless it's Clint or Onyeka that goes down, AJ will play more. 
no matter who it is. I mean, it could literally yeah. be anybody else that co- like went down. Even if it was Trey or Dejounte, yeah. AJ will still play more. I think if that and, and there will be a time where they're missing two guys. Yeah, and same thing. Wes Matthews will help them in that oh, scenario, sure. right? He's so. he's the guy. I was actually talking about, with, about this with your uh, mutual friend, our mutual friend Kevin, last night. Like Wes Matthews, I think is the design of Wes Matthews is like if anybody gets hurt in the top nine, other than the centers, you see Wes Matthews. I think yeah. that's my best guess if he's totally. healthy, but I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, totally. It's like I, I, I meant Kevin and I. I mentioned it. I think the last time we were like I, isolating, like Garrison Matthews needs to be somewhere he's playing right now. Like, it's yeah, he didn't kill, it's Matthews. it's killing it. I mean, it's a terrible situation for him not to be playing right now. And hopefully something happens that'll that'll kind of work out for him. But he, it, if there's like as the chemistry seems great, the vibe as the kids say, it seems great, oh, yes. right? But his individual situation is, like, not what his agent, you know, probably wants, that he needs to be playing right now. And so I'll, I'll reemphasize that. But that's not the Hawks' priority, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but, I, you know, I, I'm rooting for him, you know, and I, I want to see him get to a point where he can, because I believe in his competitiveness. And he might. He's a shooter and a size, you know. Yeah, he might he might be a guy that they try on a night when Bogey's not available, like that kind of thing, yeah. where they, they just need that particular skill set. Um, and look, I know we talked about it a lot over the summer. It hasn't come up so far this year because they haven't had the injuries, but I do think that they're they're stronger in that like nine through twelve, nine through thirteen totally. on the roster this year, yep. to where if you do get a couple injuries at the same time, you're not cooked in the way that they have been at times yep. in the last couple yeah. of years. Like Bruno's Bruno's a really good third center. Another example of that, like Clint, Clint's not going to play 82 games. I can almost guarantee you that at this Trent point. Trent Forrest is very playable. Trent Forrest, I mean, there's a reason why. Somebody actually asked me this today. So I'll, answer, I'll sort of answer a mailbag question on the show right now. Um, basically, why is Trent Forrest not in the G League? Because they sent Kobe and, and Muhammad Gay down today, and they also already had Lundy and Norris. And my answer is because Trent Forrest is on a two-way. I understand that. But Trent Forrest is like a guy that Quinn would trust to play right now in a game. Like if they, he's, a, if, he's an NBA player. If Trey, if Trey turned an ankle in the third quarter last night, or or let's just say if Trey had missed the game, he was questionable coming in the game. If he didn't play last night, it would not have surprised me in the slightest if Trent Forrest played in the rotation last night. Even with Patty Mills oh. available, Kobe yeah. available, I think Quinn goes back a long way with Trent Forrest too, back to yeah. Utah. He's a very low ceiling player, but he's also a very high floor player. Uh, I could see Trent Forrest playing in a way that the rookies are not going to play unless something yeah. crazy happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, NBA coaches that are coaching teams that are trying to win, you know, 9 or 10 through 15 or whatever, what coaches want is just a few, couple guys that you can just trust to do the basics, the fundamentals. Yep. And, and, and that way, Trent Forrest is a bona fide NBA player, in my view. it's To me, it's kind of weird that he's getting get stuck on the, on the two-way contract um, because I just think he's better than that. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, he should be like in a nine-man rotation on a team that's going to win 50 games. No. But to have like your first guy to go like in a pinch to kind of go to just to know he's going to go out and be solid, right? That's what he has. I I, I, I love guys like that, right? It's one of the reasons I go to summer leagues to see these guys that are going to become that thing, you know, and stuff. So, um, yeah, the Hawks are in way, way better shape there. So, they are. you know, three, three and two. One complete game out of the five. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, hey, three and two when you only play one complete game is not so bad. Uh, I do want to just ask you for maybe we can do two minutes on this at, at the most. Uh, this New Orleans game on Saturday is interesting. Now, we, we don't know who's going to play at this point because New Orleans is always a – I don't know who's going to play for New Orleans. But uh, it is not lost on me or I think maybe on you as well. But the two – appropriately we'll end with a lineup question. But 
the two games that they started Jalen in, right, were against the Bucks with Giannis and Brooke and the Wolves with Towns and Gobert. That does not feel coincidental to me. And the Pelicans, while not the same height, if they start Zion in the center together, it's pretty similar to those other two teams in terms of just physical bulk and things. I wonder if they were to go back to Jalen. I don't care that much, but it's just something I wanted to throw out there at the end of the podcast because that trend, while Quinn's not acknowledged, that's the reason. I feel like if you do a little bit of two plus two, that might be part of why he started those two games in particular. In the preseason, that's the game where Quinn started Bruno and Wittenyeka together. Yeah, I mean, there, there was no Clint available that day, um, crucially. Right. But yes, they, they did start two centers together in that game. Yeah. Which yeah. I can, I'll be surprised if they do that. I'll say this. I won't call that a 0.0% chance of a Congo yeah. and Clint. You know what I mean? If there was ever a game to play those guys more, and they did they did finally play. We should at least acknowledge that. They played one yeah. stint together, and it happened. They're in a real game. They played a real stint. Yeah. That could happen easily on Saturday, though. For sure. And, and I mean, for me, it's like, I, I, I don't know how you ask Bay or Hunter to deal with Zion, right? Jalen has more yes. of the natural skill set. Now, Jalen might foul out in 12 minutes, right? You know, it's that, yeah, he's that I mean, hard. He, 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 I mean, yeah, your two best, I think objectively, your two best Zion defenders are going to be Jalen and, and Onyeka. And they're both relatively high foul players. Um, yeah. But Zion also isn't going to play 38 minutes, you wouldn't imagine either. So right. maybe you could just get through the night with those guys. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, it's hard. It's a hard sell to put either Hunter or Bay on Zion as a primary yeah. To start the game, I mean, maybe some yeah. at some point during the game you have to do that, but yeah, you know, first minute I would not love that matchup. And I think one of the things that was telling us what Quinn did in the preseason was that he's comfortable using a center to defend Zion, right? Yeah. I know. I know people say conceptually Zion's just gonna like dribble right past your center. Not I don't think that's. I don't think that's true. Even Clint, like Clint, will manage his spacing. Clint no. would really. Clint would really drop off of Zion more. Than, and Yeka would get more he up would. on him, and Clint's like. You want to like we, we've seen Clint days? guard Giannis before. It's not that it's yeah. not. I mean, they're not they're not the same player, but it's it's yeah. kind of similar in the process yeah. of like you just see Clint back up and yeah. like you said, manage the spacing. I actually I think Clint might be their third best guy on Zion. I agree. Jalen is probably a, a thing to think about, but but like against Minnesota, like in the second half, they had a four on Gobert and a five on Towns, right? Yep. They, and, and that which was interesting because Gobert is tough on the boards, right? And so, but you might see, I mean, for a few minutes, Bay on Valanciunas, and and Bay will like Bay will need help actually getting the oh, rebound. Certainly, but like but Bay will fight. He will yes. he will compete right and and keep him off there. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of. I think there's going to be a lot of cross matching at the four and five in that game. Definitely. It's probably the most fascinating aspect of uh, game planning kind of going into that is to see what they do there and for me like i can't see hunter going there because they need hunter on ingram right like, i mean ingram's a handful yes. right so that will be his uh, primary assignment almost certainly so right so that's that'll be so it should be a fun game and that in the Agreed. sense of kind of watching that part of the game uh and stuff i, I want to make a joke about like which players are going to be available for the new orleans yeah and uh, also i i believe they are sitting ingram and zion today for rest purposes. So I think they'll be, they should be available on Saturday. We'll see. Glenn, that's all the time we have, but I appreciate you doing this as always. Please tell folks where they can find all of your uh, musings on the Hawks and the league. Yeah. At Willis underscore Glenn, for those listening, I can see it for those on YouTube, uh, 8 and 29 podcasts. Uh, I'm doing another podcast later tonight with Kevin, where we'll we'll find my my, my apologies to you for having to do two podcasts in a row. With no, me, no, 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 no. It's all, always a treat to get to talk with you. Uh, <laughs> you know for sure. Uh, but I I very much enjoy you know the project there with Kevin. 
uh, Twitter. You can find me there. And then I just want to continue to ask for support. The guys at Peace for Hubes West and yep. the group do a great job putting out awesome content. And, and I, I'm still a part of that group as a more of a supportive kind of role there. Um, but like, you know, support those guys too. And, and, and I appreciate the support that you can give them. Absolutely agree with that. Read Peachtree Hoops, follow Glenn's work on social media, follow ATL 29, a podcast that I listen to every single episode. And I promise you, I do. So there you go. Thank you, Glenn, for being here once again. I, I truly appreciate uh, talking to you. I would bug you more often if you weren't already doing every podcast, but I, I'm grateful for the time. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you all next time.